0: Today I want us to take a look at healing and miracles, healing and miracles, and I want to start with miracles, but let me just, before we even dive in, let me tell you, I am no expert in healing or miracles. I I, I doubt many of us in this room are, and so this is one of those topics that's kind of hard to share about, because when's the last time I've performed a miracle? When's the last time I've um, I've been used to um, heal someone, you know? So it's hard for us to engage in this. And it's, sometimes it's even hard to teach this kind of stuff. But here's the truth. It's in God's word. It's in God's word. He says it's possible. If God's for us, nothing can be against us. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, you shall find. Knock, the door will be open. There's a lot of scriptures that tell us we can count on the word of God. One way or the other. Here, now, later. Amen? And so we're going to dive into this. And I want to start... Healing is actually first, the gifts of healing, and then it talks about the works of miracles. But I actually want to start with miracles first. Um, <clears throat> if you were to, <clears throat> have this lingering cough, sorry. If you were to look up miracle in the dictionary, you're probably going to get some sort of definition like this: an event that is contrary to the established, established laws of nature and attributed to a supernatural cause. That's not a bad definition. That's a very good definition. I want to give you uh, not a better one, but a different one. You can turn this phone off, it's vibrating. Of course, it could be the Lord. Hold on. No. Lord? What do you mean you don't want to? No, okay. Where was I? Oh, yeah. I want to give you a different definition. You ready? And I want you to write these things down, it'll be up on the screen. A miracle is God's power. On display for his glory. A miracle is God's power on display for his glory. When you look at scripture and you read the stories, the accounts, and you identify something that is miraculous, which is just about everything that we read in the Bible, something that is completely above the normal, something that is not natural, something that is supernatural. Uh, it's almost always, well, it's always for the purpose of showing God's power and His glory. But listen, to His people, and most of the time, also, at the same time, to other nations. God is showing His power, His glory to His own people to encourage them, to bless them, to bring them out of things, to rescue, and also to show who who He is to the nations. And uh, uh, I was thinking about how... um, This is huge because a miracle literally is God's power on display for his glory. And when these miracles occur, they're usually for the purpose of salvation. If nothing else, encouragement, but almost always for the purpose of salvation one way or the other. I don't don't know if you um, are familiar. I kind of jotted a few of these miracles down like in the Old Testament. We know that the, the plagues that God sent upon Egypt to deliver israel out of egypt out of the oppression of pharaoh we know that those were miraculous those plagues we know that when they came up to the red sea and they had to do their final little trek their final little countdown escape here the the red sea opened and they went through it and, and egypt was forever gone you know um you think about uh, how the sun stood still for joshua you know that's a, that's amazing you guys know that story hello the sun stopped it's like well, it, it stopped you know and It was for the purpose of allowing Joshua more time to win that battle for their salvation, for their rescue, for their deliverance. Uh, you think about the time that fire came down on Mount Carmel and uh, for Elijah, and that fire came down and it consumed that sacrifice so that God could show Elijah could show God could show the prophets of Baal who God really is, who the true God is. and so again, it, a miracle is for uh, god 's power it 's god 's power on display for his glory. Now, if you think about, um, you know, Jesus's miracle, we know he turned water into wine. We actually sang about that this morning. It was pretty cool. He walked on water. He fed thousands of people. We know that he he enabled the fishermen to catch more fish than they were previously catching. I was thinking about the time where he, uh, he was going to provide some cash, and he told Peter to go fishing. Peter caught a fish, and he found a, some money in the mouth of a fish. You know what is that? It's a miracle. You know, And so there's all kinds of God's display of his glory and, and, and stuff in all those things. But I was thinking about how sometimes we can think, okay, the Old Testament miracles, that happened. And then Jesus, of course, he's doing miracles. But you know what? There are miracles that took place beyond the Old Testament and beyond uh, the Lord that happened as the church was established and went on. And, and there, there's hundreds of them. But just a couple, you recall the times that people were in prison for their faith and angels came and let them out. You know what I mean? Think about the time that, that Philip, you know the story, he was transported 24 miles. He was transported. He went, Boof, and he was there. But 24 miles later, he was over here and uh, was able to communicate the gospel. And people got saved. And my favorite is probably where, um, where Paul, you guys remember, he strikes, he strikes El- Elimus, How however you say it, the sorcerer. He strikes him blind <laughs> so that the gospel could, could, would not be opposed and uh, that's the kind, that's what I want, you know? If somebody's opposing me, just go, you know what I mean? It's just like, I can't see, you know? And you should have listened to God. You wouldn't be blind, you know? Listen, my point is, is that there's miracles that take place all through Scripture. Old Testament, yes, Jesus, but also those who follow Jesus. And if you notice, when, um, if you notice how much of the time God actually uses people to perform these miracles. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says um, in verse 10, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, when he says the effecting of miracles. He talks about words of knowledge, words of wisdom, the gift of faith, and then the affecting, some of your versions say, the working of miracles. The affecting, the working of miracles. Apparently, according to uh, Paul's words and according to Paul's actions, and to the testimony and um, of the the early church and the believers in the early church, the things we read there. And not just the early church, testimonies that we still see and hear today, maybe not in Taller, Texas, but somewhere in this world, all over the place, we hear uh, and see these things being modeled even today. Apparently, people can hear God's voice and they can hear him talk about how uh, they can hear him, dis- they can discern his voice saying, I want to do something supernatural right now. And then they act out in faith and call that miracle forth. Apparently, that happened and still happens. People hear from the Lord, the Lord relays a message to their heart about what he'd like to do. They act in faith, and boom, there's a working or an effecting of miracles. In fact, you think about miracles, uh, the effecting of miracles to take place. Really, there's other manifestation gifts happening there. And it starts with a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is God revealing something that you couldn't or wouldn't have already known that he was about to do or about something other. We talked about that. You can check out the podcast. But the Lord speaks something, gives you a word of knowledge, a supernatural understanding of something. Maybe he's gonna do this. Maybe he's gonna part the Red Sea. Maybe he's gonna do whatever. And then you have to... Um, move forward with that, with the gift of faith, you know? And then, boom, when that happens, when the word of knowledge comes and it's, and it's combined with the gift of faith, then there is a work of miracles. You guys understand what I'm saying? That's the way it happens. So you have three, and a lot of times these uh, manifestations, gifts work together. Um, and it shouldn't surprise us that these things happen because Jesus said Greater things than these will you do. Over in John chapter 14, verse 12. Greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. And this is key. Remember with Holy Spirit reign. He says, because I go to the Father. In other words, because I'm sending the Helper. Because I'm sending the Holy Spirit. You guys are going to be able to do greater things than I am even doing. And I thought about this week. Um, you guys all know who Elijah is and Elisha. You know, Elijah was a mentor to Elisha. Elisha was being discipled <clears throat> by Elijah. And these guys were two of the greatest miracle workers in the Old Testament next to you know Moses. And um, if you read the account in 2 Kings, it talks about when Elijah told Elisha that God was calling him, uh, him home, that God was about to take him home. And Elisha was like, oh man, that's a bummer, but... Elisha asked Elijah, he said, would you give me a double portion? He asked Elijah that he would have a double portion of the Holy Spirit that worked in Elijah. So Elisha saying, sorry, you got to go. Uh, dude, could you <laughs> hook a brother up? You know what I mean? Give me a double portion of that, that mantle or that anointing that you flow in. And we know the story when Elijah was caught up into the heavens, In the chariot of fire, his mantle, that anointing, fell upon Elisha. And by the way, what did he ask for? A double portion. You read scriptures, you read the accounts, and you notice that Elisha did twice the amount of miracles that Elijah did. Isn't that cool? He wasn't kidding. You read it, it's like it's, he got exactly what he, what he asked for. And so we think of that, and we read that, and really what that is more than anything, it's, it's a great for those guys, but it also points ahead to us. It is a picture of what Jesus was going to do for us. It is a passing of the anointing. We know in Isaiah it says he has been anointed to preach the good news, to set the captives free, to uh, claim the pra- uh, favorable year of the Lord, and all that it says there in Isaiah uh, 61, I believe, or 59 or 61, you know? All of those things. But here's the deal: it doesn't put a limit on it for us. Jesus was anointed to do those things. He said, Greater things are you going to do, but without measure. Not just a double anointing or a triple anointing or a quadruple anointing or wherever it goes beyond that. But an infinite amount. Greater things will you do than I will do because I am I am sending my father. I am sending you. I'm going to my father's. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He didn't put a limit on it. And it's a picture in Elijah and Elisha of what God wants to do in us. He will pass that anointing to us. That is what he is doing. That's what he has done. But the question is, is do we hear the Lord? Remember I said it starts with a word of knowledge, hearing the Lord, being revealed something from the Lord. Do we hear the Lord? Okay, we are believers in a real world here. We're in this world. We're not of it, but we're in it. And if God's not moving miraculously, man, we can be bummed. And you know what? I believe the American church, which sees the least amount of miracles on earth, is bummed. Are you bummed that you don't see more miracles, signs and wonders, healings? Are you bummed that you don't see more of the miraculous? I mean, come on. But we don't. Why? Are we hearing the voice of the Lord? I think the bigger question is, is do we believe the Lord, even if he spoke it? I want to do this miracle. Here's what I'd like to do. Do we believe him? Do we believe that the Lord will do this? Are we a nation of believers that have no faith? Are we? We are people of faith that don't have faith. That's what we are. We are people of faith. Oh, I'm I'm of the faith, brother. Yeah, but you have no faith. Here's the interesting thing about faith. Faith is the key. Everybody say, faith is the key. key. It is the key. And what's interesting is the Hebrew word for miracle is spelled like this. W-O-M-O-W-P-H-E-T-H. You know how you say it? Mo-faith. I'm not kidding. That's how you say it. Oh, you look over in Exodus 7. It talks about, you know, miracles. It's the word mo-faith. People. It's about faith. We need mo-faith. I need more faith. <laughs> and the thing is, is we, we, we are bummed that God's not doing these things. And yet he chooses to do those things through people. And we are not, we are people of the faith, but we are not people with faith. And that's why we don't see anything. I'm looking forward to going to Ethiopia. You know why? Because I know I'm going to see God move. When we spent some time in Peru last summer, spent some time with uh, uh, the with pastor down there. And guess what? He told us story after story after story of God moving miraculously. And I'm just like, I can't handle it anymore. Why can't I handle it? Because I'm not seeing it in America. I'm not seeing it in my own life. And why? Because I don't have mo' faith. We don't have mo' faith. Anyway. that's miracles. I'm going to move on to healing. Healing is, a, is obviously a miracle. When someone's healed, that's obviously a miracle. I want to spend the majority of my time this morning talking about healing. I'm excited, by the way. Healing. Healing is a miracle. So if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9, it's the one before miracles. It talks about the gifts of miracles. Notice those, those are plural. If you were to look up healing in a dictionary, it will give you something like this. The curing of an injury, handicap, or disease. That makes total sense. That's what a healing is. Those healings can come through doctors. They can come through um, herbs. They can come through all kinds of things. People can be healed, cured uh, in all kinds of form or fashion. But let me give you the definition of gifts of healing. You ready? Are you writing them down? The Gifts of healing are for the supernatural curing of injuries, handicaps, and diseases without the help of natural means or human skills. You guys following me? We're talking about the gifts of healing. We are talking about when God miraculously heals. Don't have a problem with doctors. Don't have a problem with medicines. I've been cured of things and healed of things through medicines. So have you. But what we're talking about is the supernatural, above the normal, above the natural acts that come from God to display His glory People being cured miraculously without the help of human skills, doctor skills, any kind of skills. It's just the power of God comes and, and does it. And what I want to do is, and we understand what healing is, but we're talking about the gifts of healing. And we are assuming that out of 100 people in this room, somebody in here, chances are, has the gift of healing or will be used by God with the gift of healing at one time or another. Just because we heal somebody one time doesn't necessarily mean we have the gift of healing. It just means that God chose to use you in that moment. Same thing with prophecy, same thing with a gift of knowledge, same thing with um, you know, a, a word of wisdom, those kinds of things. But oftentimes there is a mantle or an anointing on one particular person um, to operate in that kind of a level. It can happen to all of us. Some people carry that anointing more stronger than others, I think probably because of a, a deeper level of faith. But what I want to do is I want to jump into um, what it takes for all of us, whether we have the gift of healing or not, whether that's our ministry, I'm going to tour around the world and and, uh, heal people. Whether we have that or not, there, I think, is some some things that we can uh, identify and walk in that will allow us to be opened up, to be used by God to heal people. Are you ready? What I want to do, turn to Luke chapter 5. You know, it was really hard for me to, to figure out, you know, there's all kinds of healings. Jesus is doing all kinds of things all over the place. And it was really hard for me to figure out where do we want to start in, um, in talking about this healing and, and all this stuff. And so I just picked, picked one. It's one of my favorites anyway, but I just picked the story of, of the leper. And you'll see this story in two places. You can see it in Luke chapter 5 and in Mark chapter 1. Um, we're going to look at both uh, one way or the other, because they both give a little bit of a, the entire picture. Um, <clears throat> but let's start reading in Luke chapter 5. And if you want, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 1. Luke chapter 5, it says, While Jesus was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. That sounds like a supernatural healing. Amen? My wife and I and the boys were, I was showing my boys portion, portions of uh, Bra- uh, not Braveheart. Uh, yeah, Braveheart the other day. And uh, we were, not the gruesome stuff, they're not ready for that. But we were watching portions of it. And one of the scenes was uh, Robert the Bruce's father, remember, he had leprosy. You guys remember that, and they did a good job of showing how his skin was rotting and all that stuff. And so it was, it was interesting. That was just this week, and I knew I was going to be preaching on that. I was like, "Oh yeah, Robert the Bruce, it's his father." You know what I mean? And um, but you guys know what rep- leprosy is? It's a it is a rotting away of your skin. You know, your your skin is just rotting and falling off, and and you're gross and you're nasty and you're you're horrid to look at. And you look at this account and you see why this is such a big deal. And this is part of the reason that I chose this. Is Look at what it says. It says, While while Jesus was in the city, behold, there was a man, not just with leprosy. Mark 1 says he had leprosy. But Luke chapter 5 says that he was covered with leprosy. Which means that this guy had had leprosy for quite a while. He was towards the end of this thing. His skin wasn't just rotting here or rotting there. Everywhere this man was rotting. It says he was covered with leprosy. And it says that he went up to Jesus... And he fell on his face and implored of him. That word implored means to beg. So here we have a man that has been eaten alive with leprosy and is begging the Savior to heal him. And the word that came to my mind as part of the picture here to be a part of a healing is the word desperation. Desperation. It takes desperation to be a part of a healing. A place of realizing that all hope is lost, all natural hope, that is. Desperation. This man was eaten alive with leprosy. And it says he fell on his face and begged Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. He was desperate. It makes me think of the woman with the issue of blood. Most of us know that, that story. It says that she had had this issue of blood. She was bleeding for 12 years, I believe it was. And she said, it says that she had spent all of her money on doctors, all of her money on the natural way to try to get rid of this. She's probably broke by this point. She was desperate, desperately in pain, desperately bleeding. And she heard that Jesus was coming down the street. And this lady, if she was that sick and bleeding that much, you can't imagine how weak she must have been. Have you ever experienced a little of anemia where your blood's gone? Isn't that what that's called? And you're just like weak, you know? So here's this weak, feeble lady that's been bleeding for, for 12 years, working through the crowd. And finally, you know, if I can just touch a piece of his robe, if I can just touch a, the hem of his garment, I know he can heal me. And she touches, she reaches out in desperation and she touches it. And of course, we know the story in that moment that she touched it, she was healed. Remember when we were talking about supernatural, the supernatural nature of the Holy Spirit several weeks ago, I mentioned to you that supernatural is for the needy. The supernatural is for the needy. People have needs. You guys, myself, we have needs. We have spiritual needs. We have emotional needs. We have physical needs. Areas that need to be healed spiritually, emotionally, physically. We have needs. And guess what? I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't care what your perception of God's word is or his character. The truth is God wants to meet those needs. And God most often uses people to meet the needs of other people. And since God uses people to meet the needs of other people, people who are going to go out to meet the needs of other people need the Holy Spirit. That's why he has to be reigning and ruling our lives. Otherwise, we're not going to see any good action. I've never been used by the Lord to to, to physically heal anybody. But I know that I've been used by the Lord to um, to help spiritual healing and emotional healing i know i have i've experienced that i've never experienced a physical healing like that where i've laid my hands on someone and they grew an ear or whatever you know but i have been over the course of the last 12 years of of ministry and, and giving my life to the service of the lord and serving people i've seen him heal people spiritually and emotionally i look forward to the day where god might use me that way as well don't you And I can remember different people that I've prayed for that were delivered of this or that. And those were people that were desperate. Remember what I said that week? We were talking about spiritual nature of the Holy Spirit. Where there is no need, there is no supernatural move of God. Where there is no need, there is no supernatural move of God. Another guy that I was thinking about in Scripture that was desperate. It wasn't even the man sick, but his friends. You remember the guys had the friends on on, on the Thing and they were trying to get into Jesus in that meeting, but it was packed. They couldn't get in. And it says that they tried every way, not finding any other way to bring him in. They climbed up on the roof, opened the thatching, and they started lifting him, uh, putting him down in that way. And we know because of their faith, their desperation. I'm sure the person sick was pretty desperate too, but it was their faith and their desperation at that point that initiated God to bring about a healing. Isn't that cool? Now, if you look at um, the Mark 1, verse 41 account, it says that Jesus was moved to compassion. He was moved to compassion. Compassion is, is another thing that I think it takes to be a part of being used by God to heal another person. Compassion is this, a powerful, deep awareness of someone else's suffering, making it so that you want them not to suffer. In other words, it makes you sick to see them suffer. It makes you sick. You're feeling it so intensely. In fact, that word compassion, I think I've told you this before, that word compassion in that Greek language, they, they consider it um, to mean the, um, to be moved to one's bowels. Think of it that way. That's what compassion means, to be moved to one's bowels, to be stirred to the point where you have to go. You know what I mean? That's literally what it means. I know that's kind of crude and gross, but that's what it meant for that culture. You know how you feel after you've eaten Mexican food like 30 minutes, hour later, or you've eaten like four boxes of chocolate because you were so addicted or whatever? And then all, you're walking along and all of a sudden you're like, and you feel it, and then you're like, I think something might be going on there, and you're trying to discern, and then all of a sudden it's like, and you just nonchalantly make your way to, you know what I mean? That's what it means. That's what compassion means. It's like, I am feeling something right now, and I have to act. If I don't act, it could get messy. You know what I mean? That's what it means. Listen, and we see Jesus react with compassion over and over again. Matthew 14, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. Matthew 15, verse 32. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for these people because they've remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry for they might faint on the way. He had compassion for them and provided the miraculous food for them before they even got sick. It's like a pre-healing. You know what I mean? God's so good he can pre-heal. He can heal you before you even get sick. That's how good he is. You know, Matthew 20, verse 34. It says, moved With compassion, Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and follow him. And I think one of the ways, so you hear a message like this, you're like, gift of healing, oh, who's got that? Well, listen, some of you want to know. Some of you feel like you do have that gift or could be used by God. Listen, I think that one of the ways you can identify whether or not God might use you in healing someone else is, are you a compassionate person? Are you a compassionate person? You know, I'm not a naturally a compassionate person. I don't know if it's my personality or maybe the way I was raised or different things. My wife has been praying for compassion over me for years. God, just let him be compassionate. You know, she'll have a migraine headache and she'll be like, Oh my God, I'm like, What's wrong with you? Listen, go get me some eggs. <laughs> you know, I'm hungry. Got a headache. I'm hungry. You think my hunger pains are worse than your headache? I don't do that. I wouldn't be married anymore if I did that. I'd be, be praying for healing, exactly. <laughs> Lord, heal me. <laughs> but I think compassion is something that, that we need to pray for, and, and not even just so that we can heal someone, because it is a part of the nature of God to be compassionate, and I am. I'm praying, Lord, make me more compassionate. Make me more compassionate. And Maybe that's part of the why he's never used me to heal someone physically. I don't know, you know headache get over it you know go for a run <laughs> compassion another thing is faith and, and this is obvious kind of because we, we've been talking about faith a lot but faith is huge faith we talked about Marvin talked about how faith is the word in the Greek means a strong conviction it means confidence see it essentially what that word means in the, in the Greek, a strong confidence, a strong conviction and confidence. And so as it relates to uh, gifts of healing, that faith is having a strong conviction that God can heal and confident that he will heal, will heal. You hear what I'm saying? Is it up on the screen? Having a strong conviction that God can heal and confident that he will. That kind of faith is what it takes to be a part of that kind of a healing. And if you look here, look at verse 12, Luke verse Luke chapter 5 verse 12. It says when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face. The leper fell on his face and implored, begged him saying, "Lord, if you're willing," I love his choice of words, "you can heal me." Wow. Brought himself a leper. You weren't supposed to do that. Lepers knew to stay away. They're afraid it would catch. Other people would get it. He came he broke all the barriers, social barriers, came before Jesus, fell on his face. If you're willing, you can heal me. And so part of the faith is on the act of the leper. The leper had to have faith. But part of the, part of the faith is also on the minister. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched a leper. Hello. Talk about faith. Faith that I'm going to touch this guy and I'm not going to sick. More than that, I'm going to touch this guy. He's going to get healed. It takes faith, the faith of the leper, but also the faith of the minister, whether that be me or whether that be you. And when we say faith, we're really talking about that gift of faith because the gift of faith is really the backdrop by which miracles and healings take place. Remember we talked about that, how they work in connection with one another. Without the gift of faith, you're really probably not going to see a healing happen or a miracle happen. Now, I know there's conversations about, well, who, what, if, what if the minister has faith, but the person being prayed for doesn't have faith? Will the healing happen? Or what if the person praying for has faith and desperation, but the person, the Christian praying for him really doesn't have that much faith? Is it going to happen? You know, I don't have all the answers to those questions. Sometimes what God does and how he does it is a mystery, and I can't explain those things, but I do know that over and over and over, Jesus talked about the necessity of faith. Oh, you have a little faith. Hey, you, where's your faith? Why are you, where is your faith? Why are you troubled? What's going on with you? Why don't you believe? He talked about having faith. So faith is, in, is very important. You know, and maybe in specific instances where we're praying for someone, the Lord will show us where there's a lack of faith. Lord, I feel like you're saying in me there's a lack of faith right now. Or, to encourage, to exhort the person you're praying for. Are you, are you, do you believe God can do this? Are you, are you, is faith stirring in your heart right now? You hear what I'm saying? Faith is a huge, huge in, uh, um, ingredient. And faith is something that can be built. The disciples ask Jesus that. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. Some of you guys, you, you, you need to be praying for compassion, but you also need to be praying that God would increase your faith. That's what I'm praying. God, increase my faith. I realize on on deeper levels that I'm a very um, low faith person. But God is saying, Tony, you know, for you to see the things that you want to see, for you not to be bombed, you've got to increase your faith. Faith can be built. That's what this whole book is about, building our faith. Amen? Let's say that together. Lord, increase our faith. Let it be. Let our faith increase. Moving on. The next thing is obedience. You can write that down. Obedience. Obedience. Obedience is like the final push to put forth our hand. Look what it says. It says Jesus stretched out his hand. Some of your versions say stretched forth his hand. It means just to put forth your hand and touched him. Again, I love that. He stretches out his hand. I think as I was thinking about this this past week, I think this is where most of us fail. We won't put our hand forth. We won't put forth our hand. Maybe we're scared, maybe it's a lack of faith, maybe we don't truly believe, maybe we're afraid that if it doesn't happen we're going to be look like a goofball. But this is where we fail in the obedience area. We've discerned that God said it, and we believe he can. Maybe even believe that he will, but maybe we won't stretch forth our hands like there's something holding us back. And obviously that's ultimately connected back to faith, you know, where you don't believe you won't obey, where you don't, where you don't believe you won't obey. Right. You guys with me? I'm just saying it like it is here. Obedience. And we think that this praying for the sick business is optional. It's not. Praying for the sick is a command. You know, our brother James, the elder James, he said, are any among you sick? Are any of you sick? He says they should call for the elders in the church and pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. That's why we do that here at Soma. We've been praying for LaJuan. I don't think she's here this morning, but we've been praying for her. We prayed for Danny Kirkpatrick. We prayed for Bonnie Ramsey. We need to continue praying. She's not doing well again. Some stuff coming up. We prayed for Gloria Bauman. We've prayed for many of you anointing with oil, doing what we can, obeying the scripture. Remember, it's not optional. Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 10, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And he says, freely you received, freely give. It's not an option. It is a command. It is a command that we are to obey. And the last thing is authority. You can write authority down. Authority is like, the manner in which we put forth our hand. Okay, obeying is the, the push, the final push to put forth our hand. But when we do it, we do it with authority. It's the manner in which we put forth our hand. Look what Jesus said. He said, I am willing. To be cleansed. I don't know that he yelled. I don't know that he punched anybody. I don't know that he did a backflip. I don't know that he moonwalked. All I know is that he said, be cleansed. And the next thing you read is the leper was completely cleansed and healed. Why? Because he carried authority. He heard it, he had faith to believe it, and he spoke it. Interestingly enough, it, it truly is that simple. That's all I'm obligated to do is obey and pray in faith in the name of Jesus with the authority of that's all I'm obligated to do. Beyond that, it's God's work. And his ways are higher than my ways, and sometimes I get ticked off when he doesn't heal when I ask him to heal. But that's, not, that's his prerogative, not mine. Amen? And I don't have a wonderful explanation for the person who didn't get healed just then, other than have faith. God's up to something you may not understand. Amen? Authority. Authority. All Jesus has to do is say the words. All we have to do is say the words. You guys remember the centurion that came said, I have a servant that's sick. Jesus said, I'll come heal him. No, 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 you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word and he'll be healed. And the account is that at the moment Jesus told him that, the people at home said the man was healed, the servant was healed, the boy. Matthew 10 says, Jesus then summoned his disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. What is the word? Authority. Matthew 28. We've been reading this a lot, especially over Missions Month. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go and you do the stuff. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you do the stuff and I'll be with you for always. All we have to do is say the word in the name of Jesus. Some people yell, some people scream. That's okay. Maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's a whatever. But I believe that just in faith, all we have to say is, be healed in the name of Jesus. I don't think we have to go into some theological reasons why God might not heal you right now, or you might have this Listen, you know, sometimes God's ways are that, we don't have to go into some big exhortation, just say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, with a confident expectation that he will do that. If he doesn't, Pick it up to the Lord in prayer. And when you pray for someone to be healed or any other thing, always start with a blessing because if nothing else, a person could be blessed in the name of Jesus.